Ready? Yay. How, are How are you, Rob? Uh, I'm good, thanks, John. Pretty much. Although I seem to be developing a sore throat from uh, from out of nowhere, so hopefully that will come to nothing. But otherwise, fine. What about your good self? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I've um, yeah, I'm 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 into second week now. Wife's left again. She popped home for the weekend. <laughs> yeah, and uh, has gone off, and she'll be back a week later. How is it? Tough. Uh, yeah, it's it's long. You know, long days. Mm. <laughs> but uh, no, can't complain. So, um, are you going to introduce the um, podcast and make excuses Ooh. for our lateness again? I shall introduce the show. Uh, welcome to North v South, podcast about, but not about design. I'm Rob Turpin. John Elliman is at the other end of the Skype line. And this is episode 54. Um, we've been away for a couple of weeks. We've both been a bit busy. Couldn't quite manage to squeeze in the podcast recording. But we're back. And, uh, and tonight's it's our film poster episode. So later on we'll be last the last episode we uh we mentioned the terrible new poster for the new Spider Man film. So this uh this episode we're gonna talk about some good film posters. So what have you been doing in the meantime? Been in Shoreditch, um which has been fine, not in this week. Um which is quite a nice break. I've got a bit of illustration work that I need to be getting on with. Um Sorry. Ooh, that's quite all right. I need what are you uh Timothy Taylor's. Timothy Taylor's. I've got a um, bottle of... Uh, I'm just scrolling down to my notes here because I haven't got the bottle with me. Milk, uh, chocolate milk stout from the Q Brewery. Oh. And it's um, it's quite nice. It's, the it's Q got a real... Bre- where is it a brewery in Q? Uh, I think it's on the green somewhere. Or by the green. Yeah, but it's quite nice. It hasn't. It doesn't really got a, a distinct chocolatey flavour to it, but um, it's quite nice. It's unexpectedly light for a stout. Um, so how? Uh, yes, my week Shoreditch. Um, week off this week to do some illustration work. Got a couple of commercial illustrations I'm working on. Um, both. Um, not quite illustrations for pitches, but both kind of early stage project illustration things. Um, one's a packaging project, another is for uh, kind of a project mapping job. Very complicated. Um, yes, uh, and I've got a few commissions on, so that's quite nice. Quite a, a nice variety of bits and pieces. And are you um, enjoying your drawing at the moment? Well, as always, I find the commercial work quite stressful it's all very well drawing things for me that i know i like drawing but as soon as it's for someone else when, you know and someone else is paying me to draw things that they've chosen it gets a bit stressful but you know got to be done um so generally i'm enjoying the drawing but um yeah tricky uh, i read a brilliant book this week or last week uh alistair reynolds revenger talks about his books a couple of times on here his revelation space saga this was not of that world but a kind of quite a a rip-roaring steampunky sci-fi adventure spaceships aliens pirates robots 
it's good it's a good one all oh, right i'm I'll look, i'm gonna put that on my list um yeah i was saying that i was listening to a latest audible book um and i thought i'd go dip back because you mentioned dipping back into ian bank's mm. back catalogue and um so i'm listening to consider phlebas which just forgotten how much of a good book that is it's a cracker isn't it mm. Uh, who's narrating it? Good question. Um, oh, don't no never heard of him. No one famous, but he's very very good, and he does the voices, yeah. which always makes me laugh. Because uh, you know, a man doing female voices is always um, interesting. Yeah, I've never listened to an audiobook. Oh right, because Kevin, I love the more I love Morse, right? So, but the Morse right. the Morse books are awesome because uh, it's Kevin Wheatley doing it. Okay, uh, but he does. Um, all the accents uh so he'll do like posh female voices or swedish i love his swedish backpacker voice <laughs> i love the fact that he's got like in his repertoire on his show really he's probably got his swedish backpacker accent no but it just sounds like him doing a really bad <laughs> it's brilliant i i uh, i, I re- really recommend them they're very good um <clears throat> if you've never read a morse i recommend them they are good well, to be honest, after your Roger Moore impression last episode, you oh, should yeah. probably do your Swedish backpacker. <laughs> oh, no? could, could you tell me the weight? No, that's terrible. No, I mean, I'm going to. Yeah. <laughs> My wife does a very good Welsh accent. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. She can only say one sentence, but it's brilliant. Who's called that jacket? <laughs> that's very good. Yeah. Nice. You two should get together and practice. <laughs> Uh, right. So what's your week been? Well, I was, I've been working on an exhibition, uh, doing the signage for that. And that kind of spilled over a bit, um, as they do. So there was a lot mm. of work on that. Um, I've been doing, um, I, I've, I've done a, um, a, a poster for, um, Gardener's World celebrating their, nice. um, fam, uh, their 50 years in, uh, broadcasting, which is quite amazing. Um, what a nice little job to do. Yeah, it is. It was just a, it's, it's a fill in job that, you know, it's a last minute rush thing. So, um, haven't had a huge amount of time on it. Um, for our overseas, uh, listeners, um, Gardener's World is a, it's a, a staple of, of British life, isn't it really? Yeah. Like Antiques show. Roadshow or, uh, they get the idea. <laughs> yeah. Songs of praise or whatever. But it's basically a yeah a weekly um a weekly show, uh, and um, my my wife works on it, so it's a nep- nepotistic um, commission. Lovely. <laughs> so yeah, but I enjoyed doing it. I enjoyed drawing that, and um, I drew that in. Um, I don't know what it's called. It's I think it's called Adobe Draw. It's one of their mini apps. We can okay. talk about this a bit later, but um, yeah, they they've sort of gone on on the iPad, but it draws in vector, so. Um, you can then, once you've finished drawing it, you just press a little send button and it opens up in Illustrator on a desktop. Oh, that's clever. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah. Um, it works really, really well. So, um, yeah, just drew a little tree in that and imported it in. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I've been doing that. What else have I been doing? Uh, a couple of quotes for things. Um, I, you know, I've started the gnawing kind of, I haven't got any projects after, um, after this one. So, um, yeah. But I'm going on holiday in a couple of weeks, so I'm not too fussed. Uh, so I'm not scratching around yet. So I'm, I'm trying. I'm just this week, hopefully, last <laughs> famous last words. But I'm actually moving on Ellie Press quite at accelerated rate. 
Well, I best catch up then. Hadn't I? Yeah. So, um, okay. so that yeah. So that's 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 now hoved into view. Really, I haven't got any real booked commercial work in. I've got one website, but it's just a copy to do. So, um, okay. Yeah. yeah. So I've been doing that, and uh, it's my my daughter's um, third birthday yesterday. So I've been Happy make- birthday, Kitty. Yeah, bless her. I've been uh, making cakes and um, and also putting together trampolines, which um, is a I think a parental uh, rite of passage. Uh, I was I, I finished making it at half ten on Saturday night in the pitch black, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and can barely barely move today because stretching those bouncy things is bloody hard. Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, we 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 managed to lace it up the wrong way, and then trying to undo them, you need the strength of um, Hercules to undo them. So uh, yeah, feeling a bit sore today. <laughs> You're a man of many talents, aren't you? Oh yeah, come on, cake maker, Baking trampoline, trampoline. <laughs> so, the cake yeah. looked great, though. Thank you. Yeah, and no, I was really pleased with it. It was good fun. Good fun. Um, yeah, but I always bite off too much. Not the not the cake. No, well, that well, well probably. I did. Oh, that was quite nice actually. Madeira. It was a Madeira okay. cake. You need you need the structural okay. integrity. But who knew there was architectural, uh, you know, reasoning behind cake making? But you couldn't use a Victoria sponge if you wanted to put something on top of it. No, of course not. Yeah. Who knew? Ah. Uh, what else have we been doing? Um, uh, oh, I went to the beach um, and uh, made some sandcastles. It's been a long time since I made any sandcastles. I love making sandcastles. It's great, isn't it? It's good yeah. fun. Yeah, yeah. I could do that all day. <laughs> <laughs> I can't uh, remember the last time I did it. Mm. What else is going on? Is that it? Uh, yeah. yeah. Should we get onto some news? Why not? Do you want to kick it off? Yeah, I haven't updated my news since um, for a couple of weeks, I guess, because um, I did this ages ago. My first one was... Um, an interesting kind of conceptual uh, editorial thing, which is New York Time magazine. Loads of people have subsequently put this in news, so everyone's probably heard of this. But um, <clears throat> yeah, uh, but they they've done an entire um, uh, issue in comic form. Uh, the online. This is a New York Times magazine. Magazine, yeah. Which I'm yeah. guessing is that like Sunday Times magazine. Yeah, I guess is so. it on a Sunday or something, or is, I don't know oh, when right. it comes out. But um, yeah, it, it, everything is 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 drawn and uh, illustrated, um, and the website is kind of semi animated. Yeah, uh, I, I actually saw this advertised, and I was thought, where am I going to get a copy of the New York Times without going into London? Uh, and I didn't realise it was all online. I don't know why this didn't occur to me in this day and age. <laughs> Yeah, I haven't had I haven't had a look at it, but the animation's really nice. Mm. Um, yeah, and it's just yeah, all, it's really nice. all comics. Cool. So what's well, not to like? Absolutely. Uh, <clears throat> um, my first bit of news. Uh, there's been some new tech announced this week. Apple, we'll discuss in a minute. Um, announced a bunch of new tech. Uh, also, Wacom have announced new styluses. For oh, use right. with um, Apple iOS products. Yeah. So you can now use a Wacom Sketch Precision Stylus on your uh, iPad. Uh, I assume, does it? It's only going to work on an iPad Pro, isn't it? Oh, no, it works on an iPad and iPhone. Okay, so it's capacitive tip to it. So you can 
you just use it as a as a uh, a very pointy finger. Yeah, I've got I've got one of their early jobbies. I yeah. don't know what they called it. Um, yeah, I used it twice. The batteries ran out. I got really cross oh. with it. Um, oh dear! And uh, and and haven't used it since. But hopefully they've solved some of those issues. Uh, yeah, I I did put in my notes that um, warning this web page does use the term ideate, <laughs> which to be honest might be enough to put me off buying one. Um, it's a term I really hate, but it looks like a nice bit of tech, um, but a bit redundant if you get an iPad Pro because obviously you'll have to get a, an Apple Pencil. Yeah. Um, yeah, it'd be good. It'd be interesting to see what the lags like on it and and, and all yeah. that kind of stuff because those kind of things. I, I mean, I, th- I guess for annotation, annotating, it's perfect. But um, yeah. if you're trying to do illustrations on it, I imagine it's a bit more tricky because mm. uh, I just found that the other pen just rubbish, to be honest. Yeah, uh, one, one a little app I use has just been updated and it's gone to um, subscription only model, which is really annoying. Um, I pay enough monthly stuff, please. Can I just pay a full price and then just stick with that version? But anyway, it's called Spectre. I don't know if you've seen it before. I, well, I, I clicked on your link in your notes and looked at this and looked at it for three or four minutes and still haven't got a clue what it is. <laughs> well, it's kind of a, a quick annotation app. Uh, it works on most of um, Adobe's design apps. So I think it works in Photoshop. InDesign and Illustrator for, for for starters. So it's like a plugin. Yeah, it's exactly okay. a plugin, and okay. it kind of it allows you to drag out live measurements on things. So, oh, okay, yeah. So if you're doing web stuff, it will drag out font styles, um, you know, leading and all that kind yeah. of stuff. Or if you're working to scale, it will drag out um, uh, dimensions, and radiuses, is this, is this all that kind of stuff. Same thing we used at. Um... No, we used one called CAD Tools. Oh yeah, that was it. Um, Similar that, sort of thing, I guess. Yeah, this is this is more connected in with the drawing rather than the cat rather than CAD diagrams, if you see what I mean. So yeah. it's actually more the notes that are coming off of it are more explaining to designers or programmers or whatever what's okay. going on in the drawing. So you could take a web design and, and you know annotate it with yeah. he- hex colors and all those kind of things that I do, but I normally print it off and then annotate a piece of paper. Mm. Um, I've tried it. It works okay. It's a bit, um, a bit bitty. Um, the the older version, which I which I own, but I'd li- I'd like to try the the update. But it's it's incredibly useful for if you're um you know you're handing over a build to somebody or you're trying to um you know make sure that you've got uh you know spacing even between objects and all that kind of yeah, stuff because yeah. it will it will quickly pick those out. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I, I recommend it, but I'm, ju- I'm just a bit sad that they've gone to a, a subscription model. Mm, Nine dollars a month. That's a lot, isn't it? I mean, you know, once you, you've got a few plugin. Yeah, once you've got a few of these things and you've forgotten all about them, and suddenly you're yeah. paying like it's like you know an unwelcome gym membership, isn't it? Like, yeah, you know, you know the gym you never go to that you pay. Yeah, whatever. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, so Apple stuff. Yeah. So it was the Worldwide Developers Conference um, last week in California, um, which is usually uh, predominantly a software thing. So they talk about the new versions of the software for the Mac, um, the phone, new watch OS, um, and there's usually some upgrades to tech. Um, but they did quite a lot this this week. Um, so as well as up the showing off the new versions of all those software systems. They 
uh, announced upgrades to all their, I think all the MacBooks with the, the new processors and iMacs as well, all got speed bumps. And they announced the HomePod, which is Amazon's version of the Amazon, uh, Apple's version of the Amazon Echo. Um, you know, so it's a real high-end speaker with Siri integration. But it looks beautiful, and it certainly, from what I've read, sounds an awful lot better than um, the Amazon Echo. What's the other one out there as well? Google Home. Um, yeah. Um, but I think it costs a couple of hundred quid more than both of those. So it should sound good. But I, well, I think yeah, that's in the, the way in the they're UK, trying to differentiate it, aren't, in, in aren't In the they? UK, it's going to be 350 quid, is it? Yeah. yeah. That's a lot of dough to spend on a speaker, isn't it? I mean, it's kind of like Sonos 5, which is... Well, I guess that's it, isn't it? They're pitching it more against Sonos as a as a proper home entertainment speaker with the addition of Siri integration. Um, and they've opened up the um, kind of web... The, software kit of Siri to more developers so they can do more things with it. Um, so it should make it a bit more useful. I still barely use Siri. I occasionally use it for um, adding reminders to my phone and that's about it. Yeah, there's a, there's a real barrier, isn't there, to speech activation and to, yeah, and to using it with trust. Well, you certainly can't use it in public, can you? Because it's just strange. Mm. Um but yeah, I don't, I don't understand why I haven't quite grasped that. Um, but one of the other things they announced was um, a Pro iMac. So we had we've had iMacs and we've had the Apple Mac Pro, which was the thing that looked a bit like a dustbin or a ashtray, um, which hasn't been updated for two or three years since it was announced. Um, so they've announced this uh, Pro iMac, which uh, looks incredible. Five K screen up to I don't know, 16 core processors, um, 128 gig of memory, you know, really top of the line specs. Um, starts at $5,000, so it ain't cheap. But if you kind of look at the specs of comparable PC systems, actually it's not bad value at all. Plus you're getting Apple's, you know, brilliant build quality and software integration. And one of the nicest things about it is it comes in that lovely space grey that the iPhones and iPads come in. Um, and all the accessories for it match. So you've got space grey, trackpad, keyboard and mouse. It's a very smart looking bit of kit. It's it's an interesting announcement because they very they very rarely announce pre announce products. Mm. So I see it as a kind of I haven't read any journalism on this, but it's definitely a sort of, uh, uh, you know, a brick in the in the dam to stop people drifting away uh, because programmers especially have been complaining about the lack of power that they've got access to yep. um, in terms of, uh, you know, uh, compiling code uh, because it's that it's going to it's going to hit that kind of uh, that sweet spot in the market, isn't it? Of video editors, or, um maybe a little bit of 3d because you can i think you can outsource the gpu can't you you can put a second gpu and plug into it probably yeah you can a i think a lot box. of a lot of 3d software you can do that with anyway can't you you can um, distribute it to other machines on the network and stuff yeah but the, but the um yeah but you, you 
you know, because they haven't committed to a new Mac Pro range, people have been waiting and or drifting off to the PC world, haven't they? Yes. So I think this is definitely because it, it, it for for it's well over far too over spec for me. Um, yeah, and I'd never need to touch it. And I imagine this, you know, of the basic model. Once you've added the bits that you need, it's going to be more like seven, yeah. seven, eight thousand pounds. Yeah, it's definitely uh, a stopgap. They are supposedly working on a new Mac Pro. Yeah, um, because obviously the thing about the iMac is it's still not expandable. Um, you know, you can plug peripherals into it, but you can't expand the ba- you can't expand the basic system. But um, last year they gave a press conference to some tech journalists basically talking about the fact that they were working on new pro machines and they'd be coming out you know this year and later this year so they are i think they've been aware for a while that they've they've let down the pro community and they've been playing catch-up i think to to keep them on board so this is definitely part of that game yeah but announce pre-announcing a speaker i i don't get it um, i don't know when's the speaker available christmas same oh, time okay. as the iMac. I, didn't yeah, I think yeah, so. Well, yeah, I... the iMac's definitely in December, isn't it? Yeah. No, it was interesting because the I think the biggest announcement is that they're forking the iOS um, in terms of they are going to create a, a proper standalone iOS for uh, iPad. I mean, it really is different to yeah. the iPhone uh, <clears> in <throat> the fact that they're bringing the dock from the desktop into mm. the ipad um and there was a, a new bit of software that was demoed actually in the in the um uh whatever it was what's it called w- wwdc yeah uh which is called F- photo affinity photo um, okay they make one for the for the desktop which is a kind of photoshop um rival it's a you know a cheaper version of it, but it does all the bits and bobs that you need it to. They've just released the an, an iPad version of it. Um, it's iPad only, and it is literally they haven't you know it's not just a compromised version of it or a mini you know sort of segmented version like Adobe are building. They they've built the whole thing from ground up to mm. be on the iPad, and um, it's twenty quid at the moment as a special offer. I think it's half it's price. crazy, isn't so it? So I bought it, and um, yeah, it's really, really good. I touched up some photos on it last night, just playing with it. Um, it's yeah, it's it's a little different from Photoshop. So I was getting frustrated because I couldn't do certain things that take me about half a second. Um, but it's it's really good. I mean, it does. It's got you can do CMYK imaging on it, which I think's amazing on an ipad yeah. um yeah it can handle any color space uh yeah it's it's really really interesting so mm-hmm. um yeah definitely definitely is a space to watch for graph light graphic design i'd say you know mm. um you're not going to be doing indesign layouts and page spreads on it but i think you know at that point of assembling comps and we're, we're moving beyond that you know fo- you can see photo retouching on these devices just being the perfect place for them because you're, yeah. you know, you're directly interacting with the image. Well, that's it. It's like a little mini Cintiq, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. For about Very a third smart. of the price. Yes. <clears throat> which yeah. is which yeah. is funny for Apple, really, isn't it? Who are trying oh, yes. to, trying to charge their new their new leather case for the iPad is 150 quid. <laughs> that's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. It's madness. And the, you the know, pencil they, case is the pencil case is 30 quid, and it only holds one pencil. <laughs> Uh, is, are you going to laugh at the first person you see in a Shoreditch coffee shop unfold that one? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what's your uh, what's your next bit of news? What was that? Oh, you just talked about Affinity, didn't you? 
Yeah, my next my next one was um, they finally announced uh, the one that uh, the key. I've got a wired keyboard because I use the numeric keypad with uh, with InDesign. Yeah, and me too. Um, uh, yeah, they've only just announced finally the wireless version for Strange, it. Strange, isn't it? Yeah, so you'll be able to get that in your you know as a part of a computer deal, iMac yeah. or whatever, um, without having to uh, be wired to it. Not that it really makes any difference because you. Because <laughs> you're literally sitting next to the screen, aren't you? But I guess using it with a, I don't know, no. What, when would you? You wouldn't use it with an iPad anyway, would you? You wouldn't need it. No, I guess not. Although I guess you could if you wanted to. My next bit of news, and um, I don't know how to pronounce the title of this website because it contains an expletive. Shall I just say it? Yeah. It's the shit list. Right. Um. Sorry, mum. So. I don't know how tongue-in-cheek this is. Uh, the shit list is a directory for creatives to publicly list true and, and unpaid accounts as well as to research new clients. Really? So if, if a client has refused to pay you, uh, and I assume you you resort to this, you know, long after you've expended every other um, route, uh, you can enter them on the shit list website. Um, and you can leave details of what they haven't paid and the amounts. Um, and, um, yeah, then so then other designers, you can come to the shit list and you can, if you've got a new client, you can enter their details on here and just make sure they're not, not on the shit list. <laughs> wow, that's uh, contentious, isn't it? It is a bit, isn't it? But, you know, it, it happens a lot. Um, I just had a real rigmarole getting paid from a client. Um, and I wouldn't have resorted to this, but it was getting to the point where I was wondering, should I name and shame them on social media just because they, they'd taken to ignoring all my emails and contacts. Um, you know, there comes a point where it's like, well, what, you know, what can you do? Um, they weren't in this country, so legal action becomes more problematic you know you can't send it's trickier to threaten them with solicitors and things isn't it because it would just become so expensive so um yeah if you're desperate there's there's an option for um i mean i would imagine if you if they found out you've submitted them to that you're never ever going to get paid but um yeah there you go the shitlist.org dear Oh, I just wouldn't want to get in that situation no. first, you know. A lot of the, just quickly reading through them, a lot of them are people doing first-time work without any deposit. Yeah. Madness. It is, but it's still terrible from the... Uh, oh, yeah, violence. but people will always try and rip you off, won't they? They will. Bastards. Sorry, Mrs. Yep. Turpin. <laughs> <laughs> Very quickly, we've talked a lot about colour. There's a new blue. Is there? There is. There's the first new blue pigment for 200 years. Um, and it's uh, it was created accidentally in a lab. They were conducting experiments to study the electronic properties of magnesium oxide. And uh, the compound they obtained, um, when heated, created this vivid blue. It kind of looks a bit like, you know, like Eve Klein blue, that kind of super vivid blue it's a bit like that uh, and at the minute it's called yinmin blue because it's a compound of yttrium indium and manganese 
Okay. Um, and Crayola uh, of the crayons have run a competition to, they're going to put it in a crayon. It's going to replace one of their others in their kind of classic set of 12 crayons. Uh, and you get to name it. Well, you don't. I mean, to be honest, you're too late because the competition's closed. But they've been running a competition to uh, to name the new blue. So that'll be announced in July. And, um, yeah, we'll have a new a new colour. So I wonder if Anish Kapoor or his, I can't remember the name of his, uh, his bet noir, the guy that created <laughs> yeah. the, the pink. I wonder if either of those two are going to get their hands on it. Mm. Maybe they'll come together and produce one single piece of art. Wouldn't that be lovely? Yeah. Yeah. But it's kind of strange that it's the first new blue pigment for 200 years. Yeah, it's got kind of something you don't really think about, isn't it? I mean, I guess mummies are in short supply these days. Yes. Yep, absolutely. So, you know, what better than a blast furnace filled with chemicals <laughs> as a description yeah. of our time? <laughs> yeah, it's more appropriate, isn't it? We haven't mentioned the election yet. Uh, Hang on, I'm just going to take a drink of beer. Mm. Well, that was a turnip. It was, wasn't it? Uh, I didn't. Um, I went to bed not believing the exit poll, and woke up um, with it being confirmed. Wow. So um, strange. We're in a, a strange sort of limboish point in time, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's this very fuzzy area in British politics. You know, the sort of the the, the forming of one new government and the ending of an, another one is very strange. Um, yes i mean it's not usually this strange is it it's usually reasonably decisive no we're but, definitely uh, living in uh, in a strange part of british history yeah strange coalitions and um things like that really only used to be in the domain of world wars and national governments in the national interest didn't they mm. but um yeah i think there's going to be more of that from now on. um did you see the queen's speech announcing the new government's uh, proposals has been delayed because of a goat you what? Yeah. So the Queen's speech is uh, uh, an event in the House of Commons. The Queen reads out the government's proposals for the next parliament. And um, yes, it's been delayed because there isn't enough time. Well, they think it might be delayed because there isn't enough time for the ink to dry on the goat skin that the Queen's speech is written on. <laughs> So they still use vellum. It is vellum, isn't it? Goat skin? Is that vellum? Calf. Or is that calf skin? So this is goat skin that the Queen's speech is written on. Wow. Uh, And, um, yeah, they still use goat skin and vellum in the House of Commons and the House of Lords for important documents because it's more durable than paper. Um, But apparently ink takes a while to dry. (laughs) That's the so, worst excuse. That's like a printer's excuse, isn't it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, uh, we've printed this on we're using goat ink. Yeah. You're kidding. How bizarre is the British parliamentary system, eh? Uh, it's, it is. Feel, yeah. Anachronistic is the, uh, is the word. It is, yes. Uh, which is, what is it, it, in, one, in one sense, uh, is charming, and the other sense, infuriating. Absolutely. <clears throat> uh, okay, well, let's talk about fantasy. <laughs> let's talking about fantasy worlds that we're about to end it you know enter the uh brexited britain um yeah. 
the our topic of the week is film posters that are good. What are good? So the last episode we mentioned this Spider-Man Homecoming poster, which was a real kind of marketing mishmash photoshopped monstrosity. It had, you know, nearly everyone that was in the film was on it. It was, the lighting was terrible. Um, And it was awful. It was roundly panned on Twitter. And lots of people posting um, examples of good film posters. Um, And there was discussion about what makes a good film poster. And I guess one of the things is what, what is a film poster for? So it advertises a film and it should make you want to see that film. I think in some ways now, because of all the uh, kind of alternative and variant film posters that get made by companies like Mondo and, you know, they get artists involved like Paul Shipper and um, I can't think of any others off the top of my head. Um, we're kind of spoiled for beautiful film posters. Holly Moss. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Um, but but I think we're also exposed to a lot of film posters that aren't actually film posters. Yeah, go they're on. A poster, yeah. They're, a, they're a poster about a film. You've hit the nail nothing, on the it's head. It's nothing to do with promoting the film. Well, it is in a, in a roundabout way, but you're not going to see them on bus shelters. You're not going to see them in cinema um, corridors, you know, where the kind of where the home of a film poster is. Um, but also, so I think... Sorry. Also, also tributes to, um, oh, you know, people remaking film covers. So when you're yeah. ser- trying to search classic film posters, it's incredibly. You have to do this sort of unraveling of, um, of is this real? Was this used? Is this right? I found myself yeah. having to do loads of research as to finding what is the original film poster, um, and in a couple of senses, it was really hard to to actually find yeah. it. But yeah, and it's almost like a dribble kind of version of, of design isn't it that it is a little bit i guess yeah. it's easy it's, it's a good place for people to explore creativity but um we've spoken about it before haven't we in terms of i don't want to become come across cynical here but uh creative expression needs to be a little bit more polarized and a bit more uh politicized and we you know for a long time it hasn't been it's been sort of you know looking at culture uh, mm. you know in terms of like film culture pop culture that kind of thing um, and it hasn't been twisting it enough for my liking um, and yeah. I think this is a this is definitely a a, a result of that uh, you know I think one of one of the reasons for the prevalence of all these kind of remade posters and tribute posters and variants um, is because there's a market for them because yeah. pop culture is such a huge thing and people want to collect everything to do with films so a company like Mondo that bring out these beautiful film posters can sell them by the bucketful and people will lap them up. So it's, it just kind of perpetuates that thing. So should we get back to some real film posters? Well, I, I thought I'd go back to the first ever movie poster. You um, really did your homework, didn't you? <laughs> well, I haven't written down the title of the movie poster, so um, uh, that's not very helpful, is it? But basically... Um, it shows it's a I can't remember what it's called the film, but it's basically it's a forty five second long film of um, somebody standing on a hose pipe and then standing off the hose pipe and the uh, person looking down the spout of it getting wet. So ah. hilarity. Um, but the interesting thing about the poster is that it shows more about it's it's a a view of the um, film playing with a crowd of 
cinema goers watching the film so it's actually kind of an interesting start you know of actually having to sell the experience rather than so it's almost like selling it as a theater experience yeah i think there's almost um a parallel at the minute with the way that that first film post had to work which is explaining the technology explaining the experience in the uh, everything you see about VR stuff at the minute has to show someone wearing the goggles because you can't really, there's no easy way to demonstrate the experience of wearing them without showing someone externally yeah. wearing them. Yeah. Uh, I think technology's always had to do that, hasn't it? When it's, um, yeah. it's cutting-edge technology, uh, do you remember those videos of the CD coming out and people buttering them with marmalade on and stuff? for breakfast because they were so durable and it turned yeah. out that was an absolute lie because that's the only way they could describe better sound you were watching on something that you tuned in with a winding handle you know it's yeah. like, it'd be good to actually maybe explore that a little bit further and, and go and go and see what what has you know what has had to set, do the hard sell for yeah. te- for technology video uh, what was those big video discs things uh, like laser discs yeah they? they used to be viewing rooms didn't they in uh, yeah. in large department stores where you could go in and they would you know come out with white gloves on and this hallowed <laughs> clip out of back uh, back blast or whatever it was called backdraft backdraft was that on laser disc yeah it was yeah because oh. I, yeah I, I had a part-time job in a curry's one summer did you and that was on repeat so what's your first what's your first film poster officially you've got on your list jaws marvelous brackets 1977 close brackets i don't know if that's the right year but this is, I, I wrote is that the 75. right year? is it 75 it's wrong isn't it um, 77 was star wars <clears throat> this i love this film it's still my i've gone from a different point as usual from a different perspective mine my list as i've written at the top there is is full of cliche and i'm using nostalgia um it's another effortless display of my lack of deep knowledge about anything and uh i think this is fantastic it's one of the few posters um that uh is the cover of the book um so the paperback book is exactly the same and I love the typography. I love the really tight kerning and the little hook on the J and the fact that you see the monster, um, even though the monster in the subsequent film is very rarely seen, which actually <clears throat> is part of its genius. Um, yeah. And that's a lucky genius, isn't it? Because it is, because it was the, such a rubbish model. Yeah, the, the, but the ro- the model as well didn't never worked. So yeah. they couldn't... So the reason that it's not in the film much is because it was broken but that made the film incredibly you know it increased the tension hugely in the film so the poster sells the terror but when you watch it you're waiting for that shark to come and you don't see it until near near the end and i think that's yeah. what increases that that sense of uh, of fear but yeah I, I just think it's it's a brilliant brilliant poster which is it's got brilliant negative space around the the shark's nose and and the scale is completely wrong it just makes the <coughs> shark look absolutely enormous because it's as yeah. wide as a human i don't think a great white's that big is it well this one was <coughs> obviously well, that one was yeah. yeah yeah fab stuff um my first poster is for star wars and it's the classic hildebrandt brothers poster which we've talked about before which i had as a duvet cover but then when I was looking for this, I found the Hildebrandt Star Wars poster. So it's got a version of Luke and Leia 
stood on top of some rocks, the droids in the background and this kind of shadowy image of Darth Vader behind and spaceships and the Death Star. Um, but I don't know which came first because are you looking on the notes for this? Oh, what, the photos by, of them? Yeah. Yeah. This is posted by Tom Young, which is, to me, the, I kind of think I've misremembered. So the Tom Young one, to me, looks like the actual um, movie release poster. But it's exactly the Well, it's not exactly the same, but it's you know, incredibly similar to the Hildebrandt Brothers poster. And I don't know which came first. Mm. I'm thinking probably the Hildebrandt Brothers one because it, the pictures of Leia and Luke are definitely not of Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher. Um, and maybe in the Tom Young one, certainly the Leia one looks a bit more like Carrie Fisher. So I'm I'm really confused about the which is the original image now. Oh, I I don't know because I think you. Could, I always could, thought it was Hildebrand Brothers. <clears throat> but the type on Star Wars it, on the second one, the 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 uh, the Tom Young one, yeah, is kind of just a three dimensional trapezoid of you know, <clears throat> the, the letter Star Wars that doesn't appear in any of the film or. It doesn't. Branding that I, I know I, of. I do think that was the original poster. Okay. But I just it, it, don't know the, whether... What, in the States when it was sold? Or... Yeah, yeah. Right, okay. Um, <clears throat> and maybe this was... I don't, I, I don't know. If the, anyone does know, which came first? The... the uh, Yeah, well, I'm sure people definitely do, don't they? I mean, you can't mm. get more geeky than Star Wars. But the... Yeah. Um, but I... The the poster, the first poster, the Hildebrandt poster, that was uh, almost the, I think I had um, the album soundtrack came with a poster that I had on my wall, but it was, yeah. I think it was an only like a, I can remember it just being a monotone, maybe a very dark blue and all, uh, um, and that was it. Okay. Um, but it was definitely of that top one. Yeah. And that's the one that was on so much of the merchandise. But funnily, yeah. the, the second one has a lot more dynamic. You know, it's it's a lot more speedy dynamic to it, especially the yeah. the you know the hundreds of uh, of X wing fighters flying. Yeah. The the ones in the first one look like they're about to drop out of the sky. They're going so slowly. Yeah. Whereas the second one is really quite. They're really quite cool. Um, but this I don't like the, the. There's a basically he's holding a a um a lightsaber and it's the light coming out the sides. Yeah. Which is almost like maybe they hadn't done the effects on the film yet. <laughs> Strange, isn't it? Yeah. Whoever um, whoever was the originator of that image, it's bloody marvellous. From Star Wars to Blade Runner. Blade Runner came out in 1982, and I've got that date right because I remember checking yeah. that one. Uh, I was 11. I said this before. My dad snuck me in uh, to a uh, Leicester Square, I think we were in. We definitely went, we went to um, the Dumpling Inn uh, in Chinatown for lunch, and... I went with my dad to see Blade Runner. He snuck me in and my sisters and my mum went to see Annie. <laughs> Unlucky. Uh, I remember this poster because it just, the first time I saw it, it just left a burning impression in me of such desire to go and see it. It was, it was unreal. You know, I've written, you know, the things it's kind of not noirish. It's got that yeah. kind of Humphrey Bogart feel. Um, <clears throat> Maltese Falcon was another, was a film I absolutely loved as a kid. I used to sit and watch that with my dad and it's got that feel to it. It just, um, it's noirish, but super futuristic. So it's got, it really captures the mood of the film, doesn't it? Really does. The, 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 the original cut. Yeah. 
in that kind of yeah it's a it's a a, a gumshoe kind of plod my trying to track plot. down the is it because yeah. Uh, yeah i think it's the most i think it's the least pretentious i think that we've we've spoken about you know the new prometheus mm. and i think that um what's his face has always been uh Ridley. Yeah, always been attracted to making his work sound a lot more complex than it really is, rather than, you know, the original Alien just, it's just Jaws in space, isn't it, really? Yeah, yeah, um, and, yeah and, and that's that's great. And he, I just don't think he gets that. And I think Blade Runner is similar. Um, the original cut is, is just... It's just detectives in the future kind of thing, you know. It doesn't. It doesn't try to expand on. There's a slight mystery about some of it, but I think the the what am I getting at here? The later cuts try to sort of make. I would not want to give anything away, but they try to explain the backstory that comes out in the book more. Yes. Yeah. When I, when I think when you first watch it, it, there's no. It's not apparent at all. No, I didn't have a clue. No. But yeah, I, I also wrote, you know, flying cars, guns with lights on them, cigarettes. I was eleven, you know. <laughs> <Perfect>. <laughs> but yeah, it's a, it's a for me, it's a classic movie poster. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for me, by you know, in design terms, they they are ones that I would quite happily have on on my wall. Not not necessarily in my living room, but you know, I would have these posters up. Um, as I would uh, my next couple of entries, which are a couple of posters by Saul Bass. Uh, so Saul Bass, um, graphic designer in the 50s, 60s, 70s, did lots of um, title sequences for films, particularly Hitchcock films, and also produced some film posters. Um, and I've picked out a couple, which is Anatomy of a Murder, Otto Preminger's film, and Hitchcock's Vertigo. And Saul Bass did both these posters. And they're just fantastic graphic images don't really tell you anything about the film at all, but they would really make me want to see the films. Um, I just think they're fantastic. Big slabs of uh, bold, flat colour, um, silhouetted images, um, kind of crooked type. Really, really stunning bits of work. Love them. They're absolutely gorgeous. I, I love the uh, the lettering in the Vertigo poster. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? I wonder if that was that produced uh, pre-release um, because the, the you know the subtitle is in Alfred Hitchcock's masterpiece. Now I know um, Hollywood likes to disappear up its own firmament sometimes, but um, was that a later release or was that mm, the actual original don't know. one? Don't know. Don't know how they used to caption their films. Uh, but that uh, Vertigo poster, I. Um, I ripped that off for a shop window graphic <laughs> back in the day. What's next on your list? Uh, Rollerball, Great 1975. Uh, I saw this poster in uh, a video shop opened round the corner from me where I grew up in Windsor. And it um, it was a tiny little shop and it rented uh, Betamax video. We had a Betamax video, obviously cutting edge stuff. You know, we always yeah. went with the, uh, with the ones that are going to last. Um, and, uh, yeah, this post was on the wall. It had a sort of, it looked a bit, I don't think I knew anything about 2000 AD there, but I was definitely reading a comic called action at that time. Um, yeah. and, uh, that had kind 2000 of, AD wasn't out, was it? No, maybe not in 1980. So I don't know. Oh, no, it 2008 started in 77, didn't it? All oh, right. Well, I so. reckon I, I reckon this was 1982, 83, something like that. When I started hiring, 
renting yeah. films. Um, and uh, yeah, the, the video bloke. I, I, so I was 11 or 12. Um, he let you rent anything. And back then, this was before the Daily Mail got hold of, uh, you know, video nasties, as they were called. Well, it's before the Video Licensing Act. Right. So there were no ratings on videos. Yeah. So we could get out Driller Killer. Yeah. Uh, all, all the band ones, which we all watched. Zombie um, Flesh Eaters. Round my house. <laughs> which we all found quite funny, but it was one that I watched in particular, The Burning, um, that's actually got, uh, what's his name? Alexander, uh, who played George Costanza in, in, uh, Seinfeld, um, Jason Alexander, I think his name is. He's one of the, one of the teenagers in it. Uh, so, so it's a sort of pre Friday the 13th, um, yeah. film about, uh, you know, a, the caretaker gets hideously burnt and then wrecks revenge on them, on the, on the teenagers who are just bonking their way around these lakes. And, uh, it really, really disturbed me massively. Anyway, going back to the, <laughs> to the, to the rollerball, what do I love about this poster? I just love the, um, the spikes on the gloves. It's kind of speedball like, um, and I love, uh, there's a there's a crowd of people um, running in cloaks uh, across the bottom of the of the poster, and then below that you've got a white panel with all of the um, uh, cast and everything. Yeah, the cast list and everything, and they just look so mysterious. They're almost Did like they're that? out of. Um, because uh, if you haven't seen the film, it's sort of set in the future, and they're they're incre- they're almost culture like in terms of you know they're just high all the time having Mm. great fun because they have don't have to work um and it's almost like the sets in the hunger games oh yes have you seen any of those so the the costumes are very similar to that uh so i I just saw this and i was like yeah okay yeah i want this so i hired it and um and rented it and watched it at home with my old pair girl (laughs) (laughs) that sounds wrong i know it does um and it's got james khan in it so um who was fantastic in that. Yeah. Great. And just the type at the front. I, I don't know what rollerball is set in a kind of data 70 style, yeah, yeah. Uh, very seventies that looks like it, you know, a computer might have stamped it out. Yeah. Very, very cool. Uh, my next couple, are a couple by Robert McGuinness, um, designer illustrator from the sixties and seventies. Um, first one is breakfast at Tiffany's. And the next one is, you only live twice, Bond. And I just think the illustrations on these are so beautiful. They're really, really evocative of, I mean, they're uh, contemporaneous, so they should be. But they're, they're so evocative of that era. Um, they're just fantastic. You know, the Audrey Hepburn Breakfast at Tiffany's looks like a 1960s kind of bit of fashion illustration, which yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's where he started. And then the James Bond one is just the most fantastic illustration of Sean Connery in a bathtub, surrounded by all these all these scantily clad women. One of them's holding a gun, and you know they're just just fantastic. Is this why you like Japanese bathrooms? <laughs> yeah because i've always got this image of sean connery yeah i'm gonna do a painting i'm gonna copy that and put you in there yeah uh i, I think yeah just having that on its own because what i like about these is it's the illustrations are fantastic the rest of it is you know is yeah is not that you know interesting but the uh the illustration style are just fantastic absolutely brilliant love it well, my, 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 my next two are going to be The Exorcist and Poltergeist, two more films that I hired from The Strange Man Who Let <laughs> Small Children hire ridiculous uh, videos. We had one of those video shops called Max. 
Right. Could hear hire anything from there. Yeah, amazing, isn't it? Um, what I like about these two film covers, and again, these posters were up on the walls, and I think they back then they used movie uh, posters a lot in the windows, didn't they, to attract yeah. you to to watch them? I don't think blockbusters really did that. Well, you never used to get thousands. films advertised on the telly, did you? So unless you went to the cinema, you kind of didn't know about films. No, it's only when you went to, you know, you, yeah. you, and and there would only be like I'm 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 what forty fifty films in this whole place, and yeah. one copy of each one. Yeah, <laughs> especially in my you know my little town that I lived in, there was one copy of each one. But um, yeah, the, these two, what I like about them is that unlike Jaws, they don't tell you what happens in the film, and I think that makes it really attractive. So, for example, The Exorcist is just. Um, the chap standing out or the, what you find out later, you know, the priest standing outside the house. Mm. Um, and it's just this wonderful shot of almost, again, almost noirish of, uh, of him looking up at a window and just, that is absolutely terrifying. Um, because I think exposure to the film actually makes it less, less scary than just looking at that poster. Um, and I love the, I love the type on it. I think it's, I don't know what, what it is. Um, but it's uh yeah it's just again really closely kerned. Um, yeah, I wonder if that close kerning kind of helps create a sense of tension. Yeah, definitely. Well, definitely, definitely pulls, works, pulls his eye up, you know, to where yeah. the light is. Um, and then and then Pol- Poltergeist, another a, a classic film actually uh, that I haven't watched for years. It's a Spielberg horror film, isn't it? Mm. Um, about a small girl who gets basically sucked into the afterlife um by and and is communicated at through the television which spielberg films is a very um uh, a much occurring trope isn't it in in his films such a scary film that it's terrifying yeah Yeah. it it scared the living but i i I remember watching it with my i don't know how old she was at the time she must have only been five or six my little sister Uh, and it will explain a lot about her now but um (laughs) we watched that and and you kind of think the film is ending and then it doesn't i hate it (laughs) it really does scare you but but it's just it's just a girl with her hands pressed against a um a television set and it's in a kind of duotone blue and white uh i love it love it uh so i'm going to a more modern film kill bill volume one and this, I think this is still one of my favourite film posters of all time. So it features Uma Thurman with her samurai sword in that iconic yellow and black outfit. Yeah, great and, cool. And the poster just reflects that perfectly. So it's on a bright yellow background. It's got this big black stripe behind Uma Thurman. And then the type is set in a, in a block really close in front of Uma Thurman. And it is just a beautiful bit of graphic design. I absolutely adore that. Um, and I think it's probably one of the best film posters ever. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. I think it's 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 almost perfect, isn't it? What yeah. year What year did that film come out in? Um, Is that mid-90s about, or late? Yeah, early 90s. Oh, no. No, late 90s, maybe. Is it late 90s? Well, Reservoir Dogs was early 90s. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it's just... Stunning. Well, I'm going to continue. I, I, can I continue with a? Yeah, yeah. Um, another, I'm going to skip a few and just go to Tarantino. Um, Reservoir Dogs. Um, two films I'm going to do at the same time. So Reservoir Dogs at, in 1992 and Train Spotting in 96. And I think they follow the same kind of graphic um, uh, trait as Kill Bill, except they're not yep. as stylish. They're not as good. <clears throat> but they're just big, 
bold type and they're character led, which is really interesting in terms of a lot of um, uh, film posters normally try to sum up the entire story with the hero and heroine on the front cover and that's it. Whereas these are just like introducing you to the characters and they're not necessarily saying which one's the most important or which one is the lead. It's just like these are X number of cool characters that are created in an almost like surreal world because they are comic like and i think kill bill is similar to to that as well yeah um and it was a new type of cinema really uh, that was new to the mainstream anyway Mm. um and they defined my 90s i guess you know that kind of uh music-led character-led film making that is now you know top and tape me yeah it's funny we we criticised the Spider-Man Homecoming film for cramming in all the cast into that poster, <laughs> all these little floating heads. And here's how you can do it brilliantly. Yeah. You know, it, I, it fulfills everything the marketing department want. It's like, oh, you've got to get him in his agencies. He's got to be on the poster as well. There you go. You can do it. Well, I just remember how, you know, I think PlayStation with train spotting, had PlayStation one just come out or is it about that same time? And you had, um, you know, games wipe out, which we're celebrating 25 years or something, something yeah. awful like that. So there was that kind of chemical brothers soundtrack, um, the underworld score, um, that playing all the time. And then these posters that were just basically what they did is they split out the characters from the film, um, and had them individually emblazoned. I remember them all over yeah. all over town, yeah, just the great. different characters. And you were like, "Yeah, this this you know, it was a brilliant bit of marketing, um, and it appealed to my generation massively. It was a huge film. Mm. Um, but yeah, lo- love that. And uh, and then I written at the end plus Kelly McDonald. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, my last film poster is one that's out now, and I think it's a cracker of a poster. Um, so it's a film called. It Comes at Night, which is a new horror film that's out, um, directed by Trey Edward Schultz. Um, and I haven't seen it yet. I've seen the trailer and a couple of clips, and I've read some reviews, and it's supposed to be a great modern horror. Um, quite sophisticated. And this poster, I just think, is fab, because it tells you nothing about the film. Yeah. But it's beautifully designed. And I think it just it has got a real sense of horror about it mm-hmm. so it's a, a dark poster taken at night and in the foreground um is a a dog roped to something off screen you're kind of seeing it from behind and the dog is staring out into this blackness and then in the black you've got it comes at night in gradually larger type and that's all there is to it and it's just beautiful really beautiful bit of design and I think it fits with what I've heard about the film amazingly well. Is that is that the, the that's the film poster? It has no uh, titles on it or um, well, it's certainly cast one. List. Of, it's certainly one of the film posters. I, I imagine it's the, a film poster that would be seen inside a cinema, you know, yeah. like a teaser poster rather than a, you know. I wonder how you'd solve the because the subject matter is right at the bottom of the poster. How you would solve that? You know, that typical footer that's on a lot yeah. of movie posters. Um, that they've been using for decades now that yeah, that, yeah. that that format and it, it doesn't make any sense does it graphically it's really yeah, you, and you can't, you never, read, you can't it. read it mm. it's obviously a union thing isn't it yeah 
it's you know these are the things that have to be on a film poster i think we've definitely seen uh through the, some of the posters that we've done uh, themes that seem to go from decade to decade in terms of styling they very much follow uh, yeah. well the, the films we've chosen anyway that's probably <laughs> completely accidental <laughs> but um yeah the ones i skipped out were in the 70s um or, no, they weren't actually. They're ten years apart, aren't they? Um, but they they have a similar feel. Like Manhattan is one of my favourite uh, films ever, um, mm. and uh, yeah, just the black and white of that. And then Full Metal Jacket again. It's got great use of negative space, and they're almost illustrative, or they could be book titles or book covers. They're not trying yeah. to fill the the design with the story. <clears throat> yeah, they're both absolute crackers. Um, but yeah, that's that's really enjoyable. I think we should come back to that um, and maybe drill down in, into a bit more of specific kind of genres, maybe because mm. uh, they're, they're interesting to explore as design, aren't they? Because you know yeah. nothing about yeah, we them. Not, really, apart from really the Saul Bass, you're not you're not really yeah. know you don't really know who the designers are are behind them. I mean, I'm sure no. loads of people do, um, but I'm thick, so um, I don't. And also, they're often designed by, I imagine, committee or the marketing re- department yeah or they're regional do you know what i mean so we might be looking at uk ones whereas yeah. <laughs> uh you know us ones well might that's be famous, one so. thing we didn't look at is is there's some amazing foreign film posters oh that yeah that's where kind Polish. of like east european ones oh my yep. god they're and amazing japanese, japanese film posters are yeah because they obviously bonkers. didn't have access to the marketing materials when they were yeah. trying to sell them and they're fantastic but it was yeah. like i said it was really hard to unpick which ones were uh were tributes and which ones were yes. real yeah, it's tricky. Uh, should we go straight on to pies? Yeah. Yeah. What have you got, John? Well, I've, I've, I, I'm looking at my last week's cause I've eaten it. Um, <laughs> well, I'm looking have at you the been eating while we've been talking. No, no, no. I, I ate lot. I, I had it ready last Thursday, but it didn't last beyond the weekend. Oh, I see. Yeah. Uh, so I've, I've quickly whizzed up to, um, to Mark, well, my wife did to Marks and Sparks, and she got me a real pie company chicken and leek pie, which is well, we're going very similar tonight. Are we? Yeah. What have you got? I've got a Marks and Spencer's gastro pub chicken Ooh. and leek pie. Oh right. Well, we yeah. can, mine's circular. Yes, ditto. Uh, uh, As all good pies should be. Yes, maybe a maybe a hundred and ten millimeters in diameter. Uh, <laughs> a ruler. Yep, I'll go with that. About 105. Right. It's in a silver round tin. Yep. But <clears throat> how's it taste, John? <laughs> mm. Yeah, crunchy pastry. Um yeah, very leaky. Um I'm just getting a bit of the chicken. Did the chicken die in vain? Mm. Not bad. Yeah. Yeah, pretty good, I'd say. Um, yeah, this one's this one's pretty good. Yeah, um, bit dry chicken, but you know what are you going to do? It's chicken breast. Um, I'm going to give that a six. Mm. Yeah. Well, this is getting a seven. It's really quite delicious, really crisp pastry, and again, it's got that typical kind of slightly soupy chicken sauce. So, um, but yeah, quite good. There's a real bit of mustard about it. As well, which is nice. Mm. Well, it's going to get a seven point eight. Very good. Well, good pie. I'm ignoring your digital aggresses. That was good. I enjoyed that. Yeah. 
I could have gone for hours with those. Yes. <laughs> <clears throat> and we'll try and be back in a week's time. Yes. Well, John, it's been a pleasure. You too. And um, I will speak to you soon, no doubt. Absolutely. Thanks, Thanks for listening, week. everyone. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Stars were no good for making cars in this life.